Hello everybody and welcome to episode 143 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and back alongside me for this TV special of the show is Mr. Chris Vint. Hello there, how are you? I don't know why I'm waving, only you can see that, the other people can't see, but I'm waving at the microphone. So hello. Hello everybody. I'll lean forward a little bit so you can actually hear me. Yes, today we're here to talk about all things TV. Um, Now, there was a little preface by this, um, is that there can only be one animated show, which is in a question, which is, funnily enough, what's your favourite animated show? Mm -hmm. So what's to do with that? So we can't have any animated characters or any animated um, voice things or whatever in this here so it's all to do with actual live action some of these shows hopefully you may have heard of hopefully if you haven't heard of them then you'll check them out because i remember it with our shows is probably responsible as to why mike lacy likes thunderbirds and doctor who is because it's i was talking about yeah, yeah so hopefully there may be shows here that you've never seen before that you might go and check out and if you do please let us know by various means we can do that on facebook go to operation retroshock um you can send us a message there or you can post something on the visitor posts and we will check it out and we'll get back to you but if you're not on facebook and you're on twitter you can follow us at, at retroshock pod our dms are open so we can slide into them if you want to like Titus O'Neill and then you can send us a message with certain um, episodes or certain shows that may may have not talked about that you um, particularly enjoy and there may be shows that we would like to check out then um, and then also you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, all the good stuff there. If you do leave us a review, please let us know that. Uh, it's always nice to have the love, but it's also nice to send the love back if you send some our way. So, yes, I thought I would get the plugs out of the way and see if Alan doing them because Alan seems to do them the majority of the time. So, yeah. thank you very much, Kristen. You're very welcome. So, should I lead with the questions or? Do you want to do the questions? Well, this was your idea, so okay. I will let you lead the way okay, on this I'll, one. Well, my first question for you, Alan, is favourite, uh, your best TV pilot. This is not a pilot of an aeroplane or anything like that, so it's obviously the first episode of a TV show that you've thoroughly enjoyed okay, watching. Well, some of my answers throughout all this will probably be, for people who know me, reasonably predictable, and others may surprise. Uh, you never know. But this one probably, on the whole, is maybe not a big surprise to some folks, but for me, probably just with how big it is in you know the world of TV at the moment, and that is Game of Thrones. Okay. So it is. Um, I will come back to all of this in a later question that we get to. Um, but for me, I think if you were to look at the pilot of Game of Thrones against, obviously, the whole series mm-hmm. of the TV show, you probably wouldn't rank it in maybe your top 20 episodes, never mind, you know, a top 10 or a top 5 or whatever. But I still will never forget, obviously spoilers for any TV shows potentially, especially in these sort of questions, folks, when we're having to give our reasons for why we think it's a best TV pilot. Um, but kind of the opening shots that you see of just those guys kind of wandering through the snow and in the forest and then them just getting taken out left, right and centre. Mm-hmm. And this funky looking kind of ritual on the ground and you see the eyes of the whites and stuff and the walkers. And it's just like, all right, this was not what I was expecting at all here. And then you progress throughout the episode. You see all the different characters. 
you get to see Peter Dinklage, you get to see um, all the various different members of the Stark family. You get the whole backstory of, you know, the, you know, the wolf being the emblem of the Stark family and them finding the cubs and bringing them home and each of them getting one. But then you build up through the episode and then you kind of get this extra shock at the end of the first episode with some naughty action happening mm-hmm. up in a, a, a tower in Winterfell. and then, <laughs> Winter and then Bran fell. Yes, you get that fall from Bran and it's just that moment you're like, Right, this show isn't going to pull any punches here. They just basically made a child a quadriplegic, mm-hmm. uh, nearly, you know, by pushing him off this tower because they were having some hanky-panky, um, and not the good sort of hanky-panky either uh, in that regard. So it kind of showed you, like I said, no holds barred, but also there's going to be just such a, a weird and wonderful variety of things that are going to happen yeah. in this show. Um, it's a hard one to call like whenever you first sit down to watch a TV show and then whether it's going to pull you in or not mine is actually going to be one that will surprise you and one um, that leaked online and that's Supergirl oh right okay um, I heard a lot of reports you know like people saying all the full things leaked online and everything like that and then they then CW actually came out and went okay here it is, and because you heard so much about it, you kind of you kind of knew what to expect, but at the same time, you kind of you know what not to expect. So it's something that I I started watching, going like right because I like Arrow and I like Flash. This is the third installment of this, so I'm intrigued to see how this kind of goes in with this. But then at that stage, we weren't getting crossovers or anything like that. At that stage, it was actually with a different TV studio, wasn't it? ABC, and then CW came out right. So. Um, I remember sitting down and watching it and actually thinking that they did a good job of it. But I thought that it, you know, like it had very much of a teeny bopper kind of feel to it that, you know, like this is for kids, but it's for adults as well. But it's obviously generated towards more younger, especially young females as well. But it's it's not a case of, you know, it's only for them. You're not on, you can't watch it. But that's something I enjoyed watching. And um, kind of just went from there. And then once that came out, then I was like, right, when's the next episode out? You know, like, because I really enjoyed the first season of Supergirl. And then sadly, it kind of it has its peaks and valleys like a lot of the, the CW shows now kind of do. They have some really good moments, but then they have some absolute horrible episodes that you're like, why did I spend my time watching that? Which we'll get on to later on. So we move from the best to the worst, <laughs> which which would be your worst TV pilot. Um, well, I think you're going to be able to chip in on both of these here. So okay. definitely, as we go forward, feel free to chip in on each other's answers here if you have an opinion on them. Um, I actually have two noted down here. Okay. Just because I felt they kind of both deserved a place uh, and a chit-chat. As soon as I saw this question, the answer just immediately popped in my head. And there's, there's probably a good chance we could potentially have the same answer here, but we'll probably agree on this answer anyway for mine. One of them is... The it's not a series that actually went, you know, it's not a show that actually went to series, mm-hmm. but there was a pilot made for it, uh, and that was a US version of the IT Crowd. That only had that had uh, Richard Ayoade. Yeah, I, I've seen clips of that, and it is it is cringe worthy at its finest. It's basically a case of 
I've seen clips and all like you, but they tried to basically directly import the script mm-hmm. from the pilot of the original once, over. Once you've said that, I now have a second one in my head. <laughs> um, they basically just tried to move the script one-to-one over to the States and that just was not going to work at all for this show. And it probably doesn't help that you have Richard Ayoade mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Because you just automatically, he just sticks out like the sore thumb. Yeah. You know, you like him and you enjoy the character. It's like a, it's like his friend and his boss have been replaced by somebody else. Yes, And exactly. you're like, oh, right, okay. It's just like because just even the shipped ba- over somewhere Even else. the background and everything else looks identical to the one from the, the UK show. Um, everything there just looks similar because even where the desks are positioned and where her office is, is all one for one. You know, like it just looks identical. So it just looks like somebody's just went here. You get out and you put you in. Yeah. You put you in. And like, because no. they, they even recreated. You know, like the you know the way you get promo stills yeah. and all for the shows of you know all the you know, yeah. crew standing there. They recreated the shot from the UK show one to one as well. So you actually see him and he's standing the exact same spot in the picture, and you just see all these different, you know characters or sorry actors playing the same characters you know from the uk show and it's just like do not like Mm -hmm. um and obviously it didn't go down too well in the states either um part of that i think was down to like the writer strike happened around that time as well right that sort of what is it sort of was it 2007-ish sort of moment in yeah whenever transformers 2 came out and there was a lot of running exactly (laughs) so but i think the writer's strike maybe did everybody a big, big favour. Because, to segue perfectly, this is a show that maybe very much needed a writer's strike because um, this is potentially what the IT crowd could have ended up as being, some sort of weird, uh, malformed representation of a UK favourite. And that is Life on Mars. I've never, ever seen it. I've heard reports about what happens at the end. Yes. Because obviously what happens to Sam Tyler in the UK show and then what happens to Sam Tyler in this one. And I'm kind of intrigued to watch it just to... But then at the same time, I kind of don't want it to sour my taste on what for me is like something I'll probably get onto in a minute or two. But Mm -hmm. for me, it's like such a good TV show, especially from over here. But there are certain things and there are certain ways that characters are are done and then you can accept that but then whenever they're done by somebody else and you're like mm, no I don't it's almost like giving Homer Simpson a, a different voice actor yeah it's it's almost like they they tried to be like we want to keep it the same but you know just because we're doing it we're just going to change one big part of this show um, but it is again it's so hard to look on a redo of a show when the original is so ingrained in your head, especially considering the US version or US attempt at least of Life on Mars didn't happen too long after the original Life on Mars. It was only a few years after. Mm -hmm. So the UK Life on Mars was so freshly ingrained in your head that you look at it and you're just like, I can't accept this. Now, yes, we all laugh and we joke about people saying, you know, about movies getting rebooted now. Mm. But there's usually 30-odd years between these yeah, it's reboots. Yeah, it's not a couple of years. So, 
you know, you can turn around to yourself and say, right, yes, okay, I'm maybe not a fan of this reboot, but I will always have the original. Mm -hmm. And yes, that point still applies. You will always have the original, but you're just like, because they're so close together, you're like, how did you muck this up so badly? Yeah. Because if there's that sort of 30-year gap, you can almost understand, okay, there's been this gap. They don't want to do it exactly the same, so they've tried to be a bit different. It hasn't maybe worked out or it hasn't been to my taste, but so be it. Mm-hmm. I'll go and enjoy my original. Yeah, and then obviously add ashes to ashes. So even if it was done after that and there was a good like 10-year period after that, you know, but I can completely understand why you would say that. Um, I'm kind of intrigued. I kind of, kind of want to watch it now just to see how bad it could be. Um, for me, once you said about them copying the script, you know, like near enough line for line, one for me was one I watched, I think, last year, which was Rush Hour. Yeah. And that was basically like the film, but a TV version of it. It's mm-hmm. like, do you understand the words that come up? And I was like, no, d- don't don't just say that's laziness. That's just getting somebody that's something else is trying to do Chris that, Tucker impression. That's like you copying somebody's homework and passing it off as your own. That's essentially what that <laughs> is. Um, but I watched that and like at that time I'd watched that and I watched the Lethal Weapon TV show and the Lethal Weapon TV show was a completely different animal to the film, which I loved. Whereas this was just. You know, like, and you're thinking, well, how is this going to go forward with this? Because obviously they had an African-American and they had a, you know, like, a, they had an Oriental person to kind of then assume the roles yeah. of that and that, which is fine and dandy, but I just couldn't get into it. But for me, the worst TV pilot is from the A-Team. Oh, okay. Because this was the original guy who played Face. Yes, I remember this. So, um, this, is get, this has given me flashbacks. So, Tim Dunigan played the part of Face in the NBC TV series pilot before being replaced in the role by Dirk Benedict. Um, for me, watching this and seeing the likes of Pepper and, you know, like, um, and B- Mr. T and Dwight Schultz, you know, like, so having them all as part of it and then having him and it's kind of like the sore thumb. And then you see like Dirk Benedict and you're like, okay, this guy is face. You know, like, and it's just, I always remember watching that. I remember watching the box set one New Year's Eve. Uh, yeah, I'm a big party animal, so that's what I do. Um, and I remember watching that. And I'd always seen you know, like certain episodes, you know, with Hulk Hogan in it and stuff. And then I put this episode on. And I was like, here, where's face? And like face and I was like, that's face? And I was like, no, 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 like, episode two, get on. I was like, that for me was just, oh, it was so bad. Um, because you're used to him, you're used to somebody, again, being who it was. And yeah. then you're watching that and you're going like, okay, no. So, we've talked about best TV and worst TV pilots. So for you, Alan, what has been your best season finale? So, yes, this is, like I said, probably one that may crop up another time or two on this list as we go along. And that is the TV show Chuck. Okay. And its finale was titled Chuck versus the Goodbye. Uh, all of Chuck's uh, episodes were all Chuck versus mm-hmm. and then whatever the subject matter was. And yeah, of course, major spoilers here, folks. Uh, for Chuck, definitely skip about three minutes or four minutes here if you do ever intend to watch the show. <laughs> but it was... 
a case of the show basically came full circle. And what I mean by that is uh, you drew me a character, obviously, Chuck, funnily enough. Okay. And you had uh, Sarah, played by Yvonne Strahovski. Um, and at the beginning of that show, Chuck is this you know, geeky nerd who works at what would be a Curry's or a PC world over here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's very much, big. very much like that um, place where Steve Carell's character works in Forty Year Old Virgin. Bingo Bongo. Okay. Um, you know, just is that what it's called? Bingo Bongo. Not Bingo Bongo. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, it's as part of a store called Buy Now. Okay. So you can guess where that's kind of pointing at Walgreens and you know, <laughs> Best Buy, those sort of places. Um, but he's just your typical sort of, you know, late teen, 20 something sort of guy that's just doing his job to get by and lousing about at home. You know, such a small, his world is such a small bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, it's refined to Burbank. And then this girl comes into his life who turns out to be a secret agent and everything spirals from there because something happens to him. But he started off in that small bubble. Mm-hmm. knowing nothing really of the world and all that goes on whereas like I said it comes full circle because by the end of the show she has lost all of her memories so she has forgot everything that has happened in the show the whole falling in love with Chuck and all the different adventures that they went on and all so they kind of have to restart knowing each other at the very end of this show but this time he's the one who knows everything Right. Okay. So it's like and she doesn't. It's like rules reversed. Kind exactly. Of thing? So, okay. So it's kind of a nice kind of like I said, coming full circle and a twist on things. Um. Again, I'm just going to slip in there as well as kind of like a caveat: life on Mars again. Mm-hmm. So I am as a great which one season end. season one or season two. Oh, that's a hard one. I don't think I can decide. Okay. But yeah. That would be my best series finale would be Chuck as a standout anyway. Well, very much like you've said about Chuck and probably be one when you revisit later, mine would be season eight of 24. Um, This was one that was set in the UK and God, how I wish that Stephen Fry was our Prime Minister like he was in 24 because I think he would do the world a power of good. Um, It kind of ends, again, spoilers if you haven't seen it, um... Jack Barr is obviously a former CTU counter-terrorist unit um, employees, let's just say, but he's always one who does things off book, you know, like so not one for shying away from interrogating people or getting the information he needs by any means necessary and all that kind of stuff. And Jack is one who works by himself a lot, um, but apart from Chloe, who is like very much like to Oliver what Felicity is, he's she's her hacker his hacker finds the schematics of things where people are blah 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 and it turns out that she is kidnapped and jack gets a phone call i think and he basically is told to surrender himself and he went like well i will do that as long as you let her go so the end scene is kind of there's a helicopter and she's in the helicopter and jack's flanked by two of his uh, comrades let's just say you know like russian intelligence that kind of thing and kind of she comes out of the plane and he kind of grabs her hand and says to her, you know, like to not look after, no, don't, 
worry about me don't find out where I am and kind of gets in the helicopter and the last scene is kind of you just see him looking at the window and then just taking off and you're like and that's how like his version of 24 ends and you're like oh it's like you know you like you can't expect yeah. Jack to find happiness with her or something because every time Jack find happiness it would kind of be something you know where he'd be pulled away and you know, like he would find some form of misery and then he would just go in like a downward spiral. So that for me was probably one of the best TV endings I've seen. Not just of ending a TV show like Life on Mars did, but just in in general. Was that all, it's always a scene that sticks with me, is that. And then because that was always something I would watch and every Sunday be like, Ryan, why do I watch 24? Don't <laughs> disturb me. You know, like phone would be on silent, turned down like that. So if anyone got needed you or whatever, you'd be like, no, I'm, I'm busy. So going from best to worst, do you have a worst season finale or a worst TV ending? Because I know I have I mine. Have, I, ha- I have one. I have a, this, let's call this an ending. Let's not call it, you know, okay. like the series okay. finale or whatever. There would have been, uh, you know, before we took the break with the show, there would have been a very much a TV show that you and I would have watched if we were just hanging out sometimes. And that involved... Two and a half men. Okay. And you probably know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I think I do. Um, obviously, it, we w- all would know. it be with the sheen taken off the table? Okay. Yeah, that sort of thing. Ah, get you. Um, but of course, yes, we know Charlie Sheen ended up leaving two and a half men, winning. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This is the moment I'm talking about. Is like the exact kind of complete ending for two and a half men, and that is them having some sort of imposter, Charlie Sheen have a piano dropped on his head and then the actual show creator uh, say winning to camera and then he got a piano dropped on his head as well and that is your last ever shot and memory of two and a half men Mm -hmm. and you're just like you kind of your show got to a point where you felt that the most appropriate way to end your show was to take a shot that's your former star that basically helped make that show. Yeah. You kind of, I don't get, I don't know how you feel on this, but it just seems to me as a bit, like you're rounding out a show that a lot of people really, really like. It was the part. That's a bit petty. It was the part at the funeral thing where they kind of had a funeral for his character. Yeah. And even at that, it was the, the digging and the pot shots in that as well. He kind of were like, ooh, like that's, that said with some malice, really. That said with a bit of that's a joke with a jag, you know. Like so, I can kind of get where you're you're coming from in that respect. And then to have Ashton Kutcher, who is a good comedy actor, you know, like he was great in that seventies show. Oh, but if you were to call that something else, you know, three men and a house or something like that, instead of two and a half men, because that for me is a different show entirely to the one that had Charlie Sheen in it. You know, totally, totally different. And I'm kind of a bit puzzled by why they continued. You know, obviously they thought they would continue doing it, but why they kept doing it for so long is, yeah. is a bit... Um, I was amazed by kind of how long it kept going. Yeah. After Sheen uh, left I can't show. really watch any with Kutcher because that for me isn't that... Like I say, yeah. that's not that show. Yeah. You know, because the majority of it's on Amazon Prime and sometimes you just want something like to watch like that or Friends or Will and Grace or whatever you just whack it on you're just like okay um, go ahead and watch that Um, for me mine 
um, is a show I don't know if you ever watch. It's Quantum Leap. Oh, I know of it. I know of it. Yeah, the end of this was one of the most confusing endings that I've ever watched. Because the whole premise of Quantum Leap is, like the, as the intro says, is Sam Beckett set in a quantum leap accelerator and vanished. He found himself life, leaping from life to life, struggling to right the wrongs. And, to you know, so basically he would jump into somebody and then they would kill themselves at age 34. And then instead he would go, he would try to stop that happening. And then, you know, like the character would find love. And then once he'd right the wrong, he would leap into the next person. This ended up with him being in a bar and surrounded by a lot of the people he had leapt into, in inverted commas. So people whose lives he had affected. So one of the episodes was like he was, um, because obviously he would have their mannerisms, you know, like so basically he's inside them, but they still speak like they would do and look how they look. Uh, and one of them was a Down syndrome person. Um, one of them was like, I think it was maybe a transsexual or something mm-hmm. like that. And he was talking to some people and obviously the only guide in his journey is Al, a hologram uh, that only Sam can see and hear. But he's struggling to keep a connection with Sam because Sam's forgetting about Al. And then it just ends with him in the bar. And I was like, (laughs) it's almost like somebody else had taken over the script. I'm going to write something to do with a bar Mm -hmm. and a western. You know, it's like very much like I always said that it's like Spielberg started writing Indiana Jones and then got confused and thought he was writing E.T. Yeah. And that for me was the same for Quantum Leap. It's almost like someone had, um, you know, done three quarters of a page worth of work and somebody else ran in and done a quick do (laughs) at the bottom. Exactly. Just kind of go, "Eh, that's my idea. Yeah. Um, Okay, so... Obviously, we can't have TV shows without without actors. So, for you, Alan, male and female um, actors, who are these people that, if they're in a TV show, you'd be like, you know what, I'll watch that because that person there's in it. Uh, haha, back to Chuck. Yvonne uh, <laughs> Strahovski. Um, is that why you play Mass Effect then? <laughs> this is a weird thing. I didn't realise for a good stretch of time that, you know... It was her in Mass Effect. That, that she was Miranda. Uh, I think the hair probably had a big part to do with it because if it had been blonde, <laughs> wise yourself up. Um, I'm not repeating that on the radio. Um, because obviously blonde hair is a big thing about Yvonne Strahovski. It's yeah. one of her defining features. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> just made me laugh Oof. now. Made an arse yourself you saying, yeah. Wow. Um, Walked into that one. And obviously Miranda in Mass Effect is dark, kind of basically near jet black hair. Yeah. Um, and again, not to get into the whole Mass Effect tangent, but you actually see the concept where they'd considered mm-hmm. basically making it one-to-one, Yvonne Strahovski, blonde yeah. hair, blah, yeah. blah, and they went for the darker hair thing. So th- I think that was, I went through a period of time where I was watching TV and playing the video game and all. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's maybe where I got to enjoy her work a lot. Yeah. So it was very much, you know what? I'm going to follow and see kind of where her career goes. Now, maybe didn't take off into movies as mm-hmm. good as maybe at that time you would have thought it would have. Like, she's had a few, yeah. you know, trips into the movies and stuff like that. I think she was in that Predator that came out there recently. You All know, right. new Predator movie, yeah. which didn't do too well or something like that. <laughs> oh, I could be wrong that she was in it, but I think she was. Um, and then she's in that um, 
no, it's definitely not one of my sort of types of show, but my mother is actually watching it. Uh, and I was saying to her, oh, you know, that's, you know, such and such from Chuck and you mm-hmm. know, the video game I was playing and all. Um, it's Handmaid's Tale. And she's like the baddie in that sort of thing. It's like, okay. like a really like creepy ass movie, uh, TV show. I don't know. I don't think they're nuns or something like that. But they're those, you know, the way you see, like in like Victorian times, like like the bonnet, yeah, you know, hat. Sort so of it's like thing. Little, little House in the Prairie kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it looks it looks really freaky. So it does. But she's meant to be like the really like bad one in that. Okay. Uh, because I was I was actually saying it because I knew I was coming to record and I was talking to my mom earlier, and I said, "Oh, I'm going to be talking about you know TV shows and stuff like that." I says, and I'm going to be talking about uh, Chuck and stuff. And I said, because she just earlier in the week said about watching mm-hmm. Amy's Tale. And I said, <coughs> oh, you know, that has such and such. And she's like, who? You know, because she didn't recognize yeah. the name. She didn't recognize Yvonne Strahovski because I don't think many people would. Yeah, know, it's, remember, not an, it's not a name that head. rolls off the tongue. Unless it's someone you've, you know, like we who had experience with a game and a TV show or whatever. Yeah. Would remember the name. And uh, I was like, oh, she plays the bad one. And she's like, oh, Serena. And I was like, well, there you go. That one sort of thing. And she was like, oh, no, she's very, very good. So for me, favorite TV actress would be Yvonne Strahovski. What about yourself? It's a hard one to, it's a hard one to think about because my mind, for some reason, goes for actors. Yeah. And act- actresses. But I would probably say... That if somebody was to appear in an upcoming TV show because I enjoyed her in Doctor Who would be Pearl Mackey. Okay. Um, for me, she was the main reason why I got back into Doctor Who was because of her portrayal as Bill. Um, obviously, there's people who've been in like other TV shows and stuff, but if she was to appear in like an upcoming TV show, yeah. I'd be like, I'd watch that because she's in it. You know, because I think she was very good in that. I really enjoyed her portrayal as Bill is like like I said so I think she could bring a lot more to other TV shows and to be a lot more um, to create more in depth uh, another one would probably be Sheridan Smith as well yes Um, she whenever I started watching The Royal Family obviously she plays Anthony's girlfriend first girlfriend in it and then to see her in the likes of Scylla and to see her in the likes of that um, new one to do with cleaning up, the one to do with her becoming like addicted to gambling and things like that. Um, she's one as well who I enjoy watching. I think yes. she's a really good actress. So going from actresses to actors, um, who would be an actor for you then? This this is again this is probably influenced by interests, and we're coming back to it. And that is Game of Thrones. Okay, and that is a certain Mister Peter Dinklage. Okay. Um, he as Game of Thrones has went on has just got better and better mm-hmm. and better every scene he is in he basically grabs you by the scruff of your neck and it's like watch this yeah. wait till you see this you know he is gonna be well not that you aren't invested in all the characters at this point if you're watching Game of Thrones but he is going to be a very interesting one heading into this final season. Mm-hmm. So it is. And you just think now, if you, you look the way it's panning out, now I'm not going to reveal or say any story points about Game of Thrones, definitely not. Um, but you look at what way the show is going, 
and what potential characters he could have interactions with coming up. Yeah. And specifically characters he's maybe not interacted with as much in the last number of seasons. Mm -hmm. And then taking into account the quality of actor he is. Yeah. You're just like, this is going to be an absolute field day coming up. And for me, he is one of the characters that just actors even that makes Game of Thrones. Yes. Yes. Uh And I think it's fantastic. And, you know, you kind of you can't dodge the bullet, uh, you know, to the whole size thing. But I love the fact that I can sit down, watch a TV show, or watch a movie that he is in, mm-hmm. and because he's so good, it doesn't matter. So I think you know to other people, um, there was a certain individual. Let's say, okay, I'm not going to name names. Okay. Um, remember Peter Dinklage was in. What was it? What was the second X Men? Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past that he was in. Mm-hmm. I was with a certain individual at the cinema, who every time he was on screen couldn't stop laughing because they just found it quite funny. Oh dear! So yes, zip. Not saying who, um, but I when I watch him, it just completely goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Anything about it, and that is the joy of a fantastic actor. You could be like Peter Dinklage or you could be eight foot tall or as wide as a house or whatever it is. If you are a fantastic actor and you can suck somebody in to believing you're that character, you're not this well, actor. That, that's what happens to Lena Headey at um, conventions is that people don't want to meet her because they say that she's a bitch on TV and it's like if somebody's in a soap and they go down the street, they're getting called by that name. You're not getting called, here, Joe. It'd be like, here, you know, like their character name. And that's, like you say, of like once you get um, you get them in the palm of your hand, you're, told, you're called by that name instead of getting called by your proper name. You know, actually, like, so I'm sure he gets Tyrion or, Oi, Lannister, pay your debts or whatever yeah. like that. More than, oh, hello, Mr. Dinklage, how are you? You know, like, Absolutely. so I... I, I it's a very good choice as well. Um, mine would probably be that man on the wall, Mr. What a shocker. <laughs> would, it would be Mr. David Tennant. Um, obviously, he's the main reason why I got into Doctor Who. Um, I've yet to watch Broadchurch, but it is something that I want to go in to watch. And then that other one, Good Omens or Omens, is it? The one that he... Yes, yep. Yeah. I want to watch that because obviously he's in that. Obviously, Jessica Jones. Um Jessica Jones was made by him. Yeah, so that me. I mean that that's that's the first time we've seen him as a villainous character. We've seen him as somebody who cares for people, and then we've seen that switch, and we've seen somebody who can play both a bad guy and a good guy, and but we can see somebody who does the bad guy, but almost to a point where some people don't like that character. You know, like oh, that's just too. Oh yeah, I know. When it comes to kind of the ethical. Yeah. Your way of things, that character is as dodgy as it gets. Yeah. But I think for you and I to go in and watch a show like the first season of Jessica Jones, having seen him yeah. as the doctor for so many years, mm-hmm. this, you know, shining light in terms of being a good person, yes, he still did do the occasional odd dark yeah. thing. But at the end of the day it's like, Oh, he's the good guy, you know, he's here to help people really, mm-hmm. you know. 
So to see him flip that all on its head and be this controlling, just absolute venomously dark bad guy was superb. Because even I was even sold on Jessica Jones simply from the trailer, mm-hmm. which you only got the smallest glimpse of him in. I only watched I, Jessica Jones because he was in it. Oh, yeah. I knew nothing about that character and I cared more about seeing once he was in that. For me, like you were saying about Dinklage, he was a show. He was like a scene stealer. Like you automatically went to see what he was going to do, rather than the people he was acting yeah. with. Um, so um, we're going to talk about um, if we've been fond of a TV show and it's been cancelled. Now, the preface of this is that it can't be one that's been cancelled and then been brought back. Oh, okay. You know, so you can't have like a Lucifer. I would have said designated survivor, but obviously that's and it's yeah. coming back for its third season. So for you, what would be one show that you watched and then it got cancelled? I feel like I'm getting in like a weird loop now, like a figure of eight loop going okay. on here okay. because I seem to be flip flopping between like Game of Thrones and Chuck here. Okay. So I do okay. because I'm back to Chuck now. Right. So um, because this is the thing, Chuck almost gets disqualified. Okay. Based on your little prerequisite there, because. It technically was about to get cancelled at one point in like its second season or something mm-hmm. like that. But Subway came in. Right. And basically went, it was like, so, I think it was like some high executive mm-hmm. in Subway, really enjoyed the show and was like, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll sponsor, we'll put some money into the show. If you put some sort of like Subway branding in your show or whatever, you know, we'll put the money in. Yeah. And that's, what helped Chuck eventually get to its fifth season. Mm-hmm. So there's loads of moments in Chuck where it's like them going for a subway or something like that. There's a subway shop in the background right, or whatever, okay. which you're like, you take it. It's, the mo- it's modern TV. It's worse nowadays for some shows yeah. than just a simple subway logo in the background. Eat fresh. But it eventually got to the point where in 2012, it got cancelled in the fifth season. And luckily enough, it was at a point where they could do the roundup to the, se- you know, the series finale that, we've just talked about um not one of these ones that it was like oh we're just you know we're jogging along here and then oh boom the axe comes down mm-hmm. and you've you've not really tied everything up or anything like that these guys at least got to tie things up doesn't make it any less disappointing for me yeah because it was a show i absolutely loved um it's one of those ones you just get invested so much in the characters in regards to it. See, I've seen a couple of episodes of it and mm. it's something that I think I should really give more of a chance to. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to be something after going on yeah. with this. You know, like we all have TV series that we want to watch, but I think this is something that I'm going to have to give. Uh, it's why I've always said to you why I'm such a fan of Zach Levi. Mm-hmm. You know, why I'm excited for Shazam to see yeah. him get his big potential movie moment mm-hmm. as the lead guy in a movie and why I think he was the perfect choice to portray a superhero that is really a young teen. Yeah. You know, he has that young energy, you know, of, you know, and humor about him Mm -hmm. that you kind of get these hints off in Chuck as well, because it's, it is very comedy driven show. But I think it was again, because there was, there maybe wasn't the largest audience. Yeah. For Chuck by the time it came around. But if you actually look at Chuck's viewing figures in comparison to maybe what 
is on like CW nowadays. Mm-hmm. I think if Chuck had been later, it could have been one of those shows that would have maybe kept going on the likes of a CW. Okay. Rather than because I think again it was on a, a bigger network, mm-hmm. and they're obviously more inclined to cut things. One question I have for you then is obviously you know like we get some shows that go like six or seven seasons. Yes. For you, what's a show that has went on too long? Like, if there's a show you've watched and you went, you know what, they should have cut it at this stage. For me, I'll talk about my um, disappointing cancellation in a minute, but for me, it'd be Red Dwarf because it kept going and it's it's one of those ones that is a season eight, it should have just done and then they brought it back and they did like a whole weird thing where it was back to earth and it was like uh, yeah and then no. they went on and they kept doing other shows after that and it's it hasn't captured for me the charm the charm and the the because i remember patrick i remember patrick sure talking about it and then whenever he said it was on a ship and stuff like that he watched it and he got a phone from his agent and i like they're you know like this basically star trek you know people blah, blah, blah. and then the more he watched it then it was like oh it doesn't matter it's a comedy show mm-hmm. and that for me it hasn't captured the comedy yeah you know like and it's one of those ones that you just wish just nip it in the bud you don't need any more of it but my most disappointing cancellation is not really a show that got cancelled but a show that never came back because the lead actor died and that's Father Ted. Yes. Because the guy, I can't remember his his name, Dermot something or other. I forget my uh, name's gone. I can remember the other ones. But then he was on a radio show from what I remember hearing. And then they asked him if there was going to be any more Father Ted. And he went, oh no, there's not going to be any more Father Ted. And the next day sadly had passed away so unfortunately we never got to see you know like a couple of years down the line you know like Father Ted you know like reunited for one night or something like yeah. that you know which would have been cool to see but um, it's just one of those shows that you know like immediately anyone in the UK you say about Father Ted but like oh you know like I love the episode to do with the car or I love the episode to do with you know Father Jack and his hairy hands or whatever but it's just quintessential um British humour, you know, like, and it's just one of those ones that, for me, whenever people mention, like, Only Fools and Horses, Faulty Towers, Royal Family, Father Ted's up there oh, in, in the yes. conversation, you know, so, um, I just wanted to get your opinion on the show that it went on, that's why I thought I would do that part to give you a bit no, of time absolutely. to think no, about, because no, this, this is just one that I've just sprung on, Alan. No, I think, I actually think you pretty much nailed it with the Red Dwarf mm-hmm. thing there, actually. Because um, I remember when I was coming back, there was you and me were talking originally yeah. about, oh, let's go over and you know see a recording or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think we maybe dodged the bullet in that regard there <laughs> and saved ourselves some money. But yeah, it is when you go back and you look and you just see the original stuff again. We're we're beating that old flipping you know thing over the head of oh the old stuff is better, um, but. With a lot of stuff, it's always going to be like that because that's when your ideas are at their freshest. That's when you have the most ideas for a story. Your most creative stuff when it comes to your comedy as well will always be there in your earlier stuff. Mm-hmm. Not always the time. Sometimes you can warm up a bit. But when it's gone on for as long as Red Dwarf and then the gap there was as well, yeah, it's never going to really feel as good as the original stuff as well. That time jump, especially because, you know, 
certain characters are meant to be holograms and projections and stuff yeah, like that. And, and you they like, get a hard light and then they're, no, they're not like that anymore, yeah. Exactly. So, no, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head with Red Dwarf. Okay. Um, for you then, what's your best opening title? So, is there like an intro to a TV show that as soon as it comes on... Because the thing now is that there's a lot of TV shows that have very, Minimal. you know... It's very, you know, like Arrow would just be, you know, like the... Dun, 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 yeah, and then dun, just like, you know, like here's a jail cell coming along and that's it. Or Flash is like, you know, and then you get the, you know, my name's Barry Allen, Fast Man Live. And I, oh, fast forward. You know, but then you get some other ones like Game of Thrones or things like that that go on. Not too long, but you're like... Right, okay, if this was a podcast, episode, that, if this was a podcast I would have had to skip 30 seconds, you know, like if twice. The, if the skip button was in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, not like, <coughs> like on Netflix, it would be skipped. Yeah. Um, but for you, are you then, what's an, an intro that sticks with you? <coughs> I'll give you three guesses. Okay. You might only need one. I'm going to say Doctor Who. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. See how good is Chris? Um, yeah. Now, we've... Okay, well, Doctor Who, but which era then? Oh, <coughs> you hurt me to my soul, Chris. Because um, I know how much you loved the new one. Yes. I know how much of a fan of Smiths you were, and obviously of Davison's. This is why you hurt me to my soul. I know. Um, I, If you were to basically put a gun to my head and say, you have to pick one, it's going to be... I'm not one. going to do that. No, no. For obvious reasons. It's only Doctor Who. <coughs> um, I, I don't have I don't, a gun. I don't, I don't mean that. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I like that. Um, it's always going to be Davison, really, because okay. that one just absolutely, to me, is just peak Doctor Who, in terms of at least classical Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. It's just like, when you look at all the different Doctor Who themes across time, they've all been very off their time, mm-hmm. and that that one, I think, maybe more so than even some of the others, because it's that sort of you know, electronic, you know, yeah. high-pitched, whatever that thing is, you know, the kind of like the rod that you kind of put your hand in and out mm-hmm. on and it makes the high-frequency noise. That, to me, and then the, the star field plays into it, you know, in the face. Now, of course, that had, that became a big part <clears> of Doctor <throat> Who in that time period. It's, you know, Baker had the whole star field as well, you know, but I have to go for that one. Now, yes, you are quite right, the we've had our words that we've had to say about the latest series of Doctor Who. Again, believe it or not, I still haven't watched the finale or the New Year's special. I know. Does that tell you everything you need to know really <coughs> about things? Um, but I think I really enjoy that opening title mm-hmm. because it does harken back quite a lot to that sort of Davison-y and even older yeah. style of the opening titles and theme music alone mm-hmm. what about you what about your one I had two in my head there and then I was like I'm trying to play them side by side and think <laughs> to them which one which one for me stays with me and it's a toss up between Knight Rider and the A-Team Ooh. but the A-Team just wins it because it's one of those ones that whenever you get a new phone or whatever, like back in the day, that was one that I always used to put yes. on my phone. Yes. It's one that I still have on my phone, but it's one of those ones that as soon as you hear the music, you know, you see like the opening sequences and things like that. I'm not saying Knight Rider is nowhere, not as good, but I think A-Team has more of a um, 
greater score and it kind of grabs you once you hear that you know like once you hear and then everyone else will you know like or you hear it on like you know like radio or something like that you instantly know what it is whereas Knight Riders is good but I don't think it's nowhere near as impactful as what mm. the A-Teams one is but they are obviously two big parts of my childhood yes. is watching you know them at like five or six o'clock on a Saturday and ITV and things like that but just with the A-Team and then just Especially whenever you see a reboot of the movie and then you're kind of wanting that to be in it and kind of isn't, but... So what you're saying is you weren't a Dallas man? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't. I wasn't wasn't Dallas or Dynasty at all, no. Um, God, not even the Waltons, but anyway. Um, so with these ones here, we're allowed, um, you know, like so it's going to be female and male. So we're allowed one female, British, one female American, the same mm-hmm. from male. So, TV characters, Alan, who would be your favourite females from the UK and US and TV as well? From well, I don't, I'm going to try and not be as long-winded in some of my answers now because these are very much just kind of... Yeah. I like these people, deal with it, everybody. So, I'm going to go with my American first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is Sarah Lance, a.k.a. White Canary. Yes, we have said what we've said about Legends being a bit at the moment. But for me, she still is what I feel is the strongest thing about that show. Yeah. And that's why I still would love to see her inserted back in to the main Arrow shows. Now, do I see that happening? Probably not. But you would love there's to see... so many characters but, already there. But you would love to see them do like a Birds of Prey TV show with her as the main protagonist? Yes, absolutely. They... For me, they can't let this character kind of just fizzle away if Legends fizzles away okay. eventually. Mine then, I'm going to do you, me, you, me then. Okay. Uh, mine would be Liz Lemon from 30 Rock, played okay. by Tina Fey. Okay. Um, she, for me, just does something really well with comedy acting. Um, obviously being the likes of... Certain other things, you know, like she wrote that. She, um, she was part of that Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. You know, like she's appeared in so many different things. But for me, that character, her and Alec Baldwin just play off each other so well <laughs> in their characters. And 30 Rock for me is kind of one of those American TV shows that is fun to watch at times. And sometimes you're just like, I don't get it. And sometimes you're like, oh my God, that's just, you know, like... It's just side-splittingly funny. But she just plays Liz Lemon to a T and just one of my favourite um, characters. I just kind of realised I might be just like characters that are called Sarah because I've just realised Sarah Lance and then uh, Sarah out of Chuck is Yvonne Strahovski as well. So maybe it's that. Okay. <laughs> might be. And but, the blonde hair as well. Well, there's that as well. Um, okay, back to me then for the UK side of things. Mm-hmm. And that is... Lena Headey, okay, as Cersei, uh, in Game of Thrones, uh, you kind of hinted at it earlier. It, she is again one of these actresses, and thus the character. The two meld together, and you're just like, where does Lena Headey begin, and where does Cersei end? Really, mm-hmm. you know, because she embodies that character to an absolute T and like there are just moments in that show and I think this is the great thing about Game of Thrones as well is there are moments of this show where you're like I absolutely hate your guts Mm -hmm. 
and you start off with that opinion and then it gets to a part in the whole series where you're like oh I feel sorry for you yeah and then it goes whoop yep. no back to no you die you yeah. die now please you know die a miserable death because you're just a terrible person um I think it'll, you'll be hard pushed to get a more villainous like standout female character mm-hmm in a TV show for a good while to come. I think so, yeah. Uh, mine would be Game of Thrones centric too. Ooh. But I love Gwendolyn Christie in Game of Thrones. Okay. So it's Brianna of Tarth, isn't it? That is yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, since she came in to Game of Thrones, she's such a visually enchanting person is that you can't help but be enthralled by how how her screen presence is mm-hmm. you know like and how you so wanted her and Jamie Lannister to kind of get together you know you kind of wanted that and now you have the other character who mm-hmm. you know like you know whenever I can't, the guy with the red beard I, yes with Game of Thrones me and, yeah with me and Game of Thrones characters it's not like oh it's Fred or it's Cedric or whatever mm-hmm. it's you know you know Brianna of Tarth and you're like okay um, but for me she just commands the screen whenever she's on it um, and I just love her character in Game of Thrones so that would be my female one then okie dokie so on to the males and yes I really am not going to dwell on this because I've already waxed lyrical about this show already and that is Zachary Levi as Chuck Butarski. Okay, Kiefer Sutherland as Jack Barr. There we go. Well, we've talked about those shows okay. plenty as we go. Uh, UK then, you've already talked about him, I've already talked about him again and that is David Tennant's Doctor Who. Okay, mine is uh, Philip Glenister as Gene Hunt. I wondered, I did wonder when we were doing this, would he sneak in? Gene Hunt for me, I was actually talking to a guy in work yesterday about it yesterday or the other day and said that Gene Hunt for me is one of my favourite TV characters ever Um, even whenever you just say about the likes of say animated shows and stuff Gene Hunt for me is just a character that is hilarious that has all the wrong things about him but does the right thing yes you know like he's a bad cop but a bad cop in the sense of the word that he just gets results in whatever. Yeah. You know, let's plant evidence and be like, you can't do that. I, I can only imagine, right, if the likes of Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes came out now. Oh my God. Now, yes, obviously, the key argument here would be, well, it's a time period drama. Mm-hmm. So it's right for the times, but you just know there would still be absolute wildfire on the internet. Yep. Like, oh my God, he yeah. said what, or he did what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, 100% agree with you. Okay. Um, character you love to hate. Is it Cersei then? It's not Cersei. Okay. But it is her spawn. Okay. And that is Joffrey. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. Because I think nothing, I don't really need to say much about Joffrey, but you know anybody that's watched the show knows about him but leading to a certain point in that character's evolution so to say um uh, <laughs> yep. as i'm signaling to chris so as to not verbally spoil this for you all everybody um when that moment happened i think it's fair to say a lot of the viewers of game of thrones would almost have like a, a punch the air moment 
mm-hmm. as in oh f- finally some you know he's finally getting kind of knocked off his perch a bit here mm-hmm. because he is just the most downright manipulative wee in the world. Yep, and plus the fact that he beheaded one of my favourite characters in Game of Thrones. Exactly. Yeah, and then he went, oh, look at that! <laughs> to his daughter. And you're like, okay. Uh, for me, <laughs> season two of Arrow, and season one of Arrow, it would be have to be Manu Bennett's portrayal of Slade Wilson. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a TV show that captivated me as much as season two of Arrow, especially whenever he came back into it. Yes. And he was a villain that you just loved to hate. Whenever, you know, like whenever there's villains and things, you know, like you're just like, where's, where's Deathstroke? And then like whenever we saw trailers and stuff to do with whenever, um, Oh, right, I was wondering what you were doing. Um, whenever you saw, like, uh, snippets of, like, whenever they were the crossover and then they were, like, captured in the place and they had the fight and then you see the Deathstroke suit and you were, oh, it's yep. Deathstroke, but it wasn't him. But him, for me, is just a character that I absolutely love to hate. Another one would be Michael Rosenbaum's portrayal of Lex Luthor in Smallville. Okay. He is just... Somebody who tries to be Clark's buddy and you can tell that there's an ulterior motive there. And he is just so, so good at playing somebody so, so evil. <laughs> and you can't help but hate him, but love to hate him, but respect the guy for his acting chops, you know, like, and that. So that would be my choice anyway. Um, so favourite childhood show then? Um, if you want to make this animated, you can do. It's okay. It's okay. I managed to, one managed to pop out of the back of my uh, brain cells for to be non-animated. Okay. And that is Gladiators. Right, okay. <laughs> I just, it's just, it just came out there and I was just like, oh. Funnily enough, there was a question on the chase the other day to do with um, what had a golden era, attitude era and a modern era. And it was like wrestling Bowling and gladiators, and a guy went gladiators went wrong, <laughs> and it was obviously WWE. So, but yeah, no, I gladiators was just such a big thing I was into as a kid for some odd reason. Oh, I think a lot of um, people were mainly because of Jet. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it was fantastic. I, I think when I look back at it, almost I almost look at it as like my maybe early steps into this kind of sports entertainment. I could understand world, that, yeah. Because you had characters, you know, you had personas on there. Mm-hmm. Wolf more than anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, was the big bad wolf. Wolf you know, and John proper, Anderson. <laughs> proper pantomime stuff. Yeah. But it was that early sort of thing. Here is actual, like, physical activities and skills and all that sort of stuff going on. But in between, there's that little sprinkle of just characters and all. And I think like you're saying, the different names, the different backgrounds, that they specialised in different things, and then the build-up to the whole Travelator and all at the end of the yeah. show was amazing. And I, think, and I think as a kid, you look at that and you're like, this is ridiculously awesome. Mm-hmm. So it is. What about you? What would have been one that stands out to you? Mine, I was going to say Save by the Bell, because I remember watching it with my sister. But for me, my favorite childhood show that was non-animated was Nightmare. Yes. Um, which obviously, if you people in America have never seen it, is basically there's four people sitting there in front of like a TV screen that's in a chest, and there's one of their 
a friend who has like a helmet on his head and basically there's a computer generated um room where he has to do stuff so like whether they have to tell him to step to the right and go forwards or whether there's like a character he has to interact with and then spellbinding and all that kind of stuff and karen actually met the guy who played the dungeon master um <laughs> at a convention um i think last year um, and he looks no different. He looks the exact same, you know, with a beard and everything. And a stranger. <laughs> but I always remember where I used to go to school. My school was like only up the road and across the road. So I used to run home from school to get in time for like, you know, because obviously you got out of school like three, half three. And it started like a quarter to five, I think it was. And used to sit down, have my dinner, table very similar to this, and have the dinner while watching. So you know you say that. That reminds me of me as well. Chuckle Vision. Well, yeah, you can't help but be with the Chuckle Brothers. With the Chuckle Brothers. Um, like. That was another fantastic one. So what would be your fastest binge watch, Alan? We don't need to have exact times. No, no, no. Well, I do know the times, but um, I've actually got two here. Um, one is Game of Thrones, because I knew by this stage, okay, I've said Game of Thrones a couple of times. Okay. You know, so let's have something else in here. But Game of Thrones... I watched at a time when I had hurt my leg and wasn't able to go to work or anything like that. And by this stage, I think Game of Thrones was probably getting towards the end of season three or maybe very early season four. Okay. And I hadn't watched it. I was one of those people that was like, oh, what's this, you know, fad that's going on here? This Been big, touted show. Been there. Um, and I just thought, oh, well, I can't go anywhere now. Let's see if this is actually any decent, what people say. Mm -hmm. And, well, I've told you my opinion on the pilot. You know where yeah. things went. Um, but I blew through that within, you know, three seasons, within probably a week or so. Wow, so okay. Did. And, you know, I thought that's pretty good. But I think my fastest binge watch has actually been the first series of Daredevil okay. on Netflix. And I think I watched... I think I watched 10 episodes within the day. Right. And then finished it off the next morning. Okay. So I did. So basically a day. I was exactly with you with Game of Thrones. However, I was three seasons behind. Mm -hmm. I had not watched any of it up until season six. Mm -hmm. So season seven was one that I watched a few episodes whenever it first aired. But the last season was the only the first season that I actually started watching whenever it aired on TV. I think I binged all six seasons in maybe two months. That's not bad Some, going. Something like that. That's um, not bad going. My, first, my fastest binge watch was Designated Survivor, where the first season had 22 episodes, and I did 10 episodes of that in two days. And they're 45-minute episodes, so yeah. you know what it's like. It's not a case of you can watch something in 20 minutes and then just go, okay. You know, it's like The Walking Dead. I started watching and then I kind of I hit a wall. Well, I had a kid being shot by a gun. And then that was basically my stopping point and then mm -hmm. kind of got back into it. But yeah. Designated Survivor would be that. So the next one is your favorite show of all time, which is quite a hard one to go with. But I would imagine it's probably going to be Chuck. It is, yeah. Okay. It's going to be Chuck. It would be probably followed by Doctor Who, to be brutally honest. Um, but I think it is just Chuck, as I've kind of explained, had sort of, it was that sort of time, sort of 
mid to late teens when I was watching it and at that sort of age you're just like you're sucked in by these sort of things and it was a show that it did that for me Mm -hmm. so yeah I won't say too much because I've already said plenty on it mine would be 24 because of the twists and turns and each season is dramatically different from the next you've had people star in it you know like so there are there was like so many different people who have been in it but there's names that like Freddie Prince Jr. has been in it. Um, I have a funny feeling that Seth Green. No. Oh, not Seth Green. Oh, God. The guy who played Bob in Stranger Things. That also was one of my uh, fastest binges. Oh, my God. What's his name? And he was in The Goonies. I'll have to look that up. Sorry. Um, but for me, 24 was something that... Whenever I watched, I was just gripped by, and with each, which is Sean Astin, that's who it is, um, with each different episode, you would find out, oh, right, there's this problem with Jack, oh, it's solved. Now there's this one with the president, the president's daughter, Jack's wife, and it all spirals over to that, and there's just so many twists and turns along the road, and I just loved how it was done in real time as well. Um, That, for me, was just something that... Uh, I don't think I'll ever be duplicated, to be honest. So, a show you regret watching, or a show that you started to watch and still haven't finished. Um. Okay. Uh. Well, I do regret watching Total Divas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But to go specifically in the direction of what you're saying, as in a show you started watching, but maybe it just didn't grab you, and mm-hmm. thus you never finished. Would be The Walking Dead, which mind technically I could never finish because it's still flipping going. Yeah. Um, but it was just one that I, just it for some odd reason did not grab me. I do not know why. Um, I really wanted it to, mm-hmm. but it was just one of those ones that I was like, I'll get back to it, and I've never, I've never went back to it. it. Is it is a hard show to watch? Like I said, like. There were been three or four times because this was whenever we were had access to the American Netflix and it was on that that there was a point where I got to and every time I went back to it I seemed to rewatch the same episode and it took a long time to watch it and now I've watched it I was like okay well you know like I'm not watching it anymore I'm not up to date with it and I don't plan to be because it really went downhill you know I think that's another show like we we're talking about Red Dwarf earlier on it should have been stopped. Way Long back, ago. way back then. One of the ones that I regret watching because Karen said to me to watch it was Riverdale. Um, two episodes of that was enough. Okay. And I couldn't stomach any more. It is very teeny boppy and it is very... Oh, it's designed to be that all right. It is very, you know, like like we were, like one of the questions would have been favourite teen show. This would almost be for teenagers. You know, obviously it's set to do with Archie and Archie comics and things like that. But that for me was just something I tried to watch and I just like, oh, no, no it's, thank it, you. it's not for me. Um, not that I, it's hard to say about regret watching because there's a show that I've watched that I've yet to get back to and I plan to get back to it is Breaking Bad. Um, I think because the subject matter, because of him having lung cancer and things mm. like that. Not that my dad ever did meth, let me just preface it that. Um, <laughs> nor did him and I go and cook in a van. Um, but I think it was one that I got you up don't to. Cook in a van, you cook in the kitchen. 
well, you cook it in the kitchen in the van there. Ah. Um, but there was an episode where there was to do with a writer's strike and that's where I hit my wall with it. Got and it. I've yet to go back. But I think if I was to go back, I'd probably start from the start. It's one It's one I haven't got round to watching, but I really, really want to. Um, think of it as more positive Walking Dead. Yeah, in yeah. In that regard. Yeah. Um, Favourite animated show then? Um, Pokemon! Okay, I thought you would have went for Turtles, to be honest. Turtles is in there. Mm-hmm. But I think just, you know... I sit here and I'm still playing Pokemon games and part of that is down to, yes, the original Red and Blue, mm-hmm. but also being hooked as a younger kid watching the anime in there as well. And I don't think I probably would maybe still be a fan of Pokemon okay, if it hadn't been for the anime. So yeah, that's going to be my answer for that one. Uh, He-Man the Masters Universe. What a shocker. Enough said. What a shocker. Enough said that, you know, after all these years, you know, like, I'm still talking to people. Like Michael Lacey, like Rob Bass, like Dylan Cook, who I have met through my love of He-Man. And lastly, Alan, uh, I'm going to change this up. So a TV show that you have watched that your parents recommended to you. Oh. Or you watched with your parents. That I watched with my parents. Yeah. Um, well, the, again, the obvious answer there is Game of Thrones. Me and me and my mum watched Game of Thrones quite mm. a bit together, actually. But something um, that you know about you said about uh, your father and then uh, Doctor Who that he used to watch it, and then you watched it because of that. Mm-hmm. Would it be anything like with me? It'd be our Vader's end pet. I remember okay. my mum and dad watching that, and then I distinctly remember sitting on the floor and there's a scene with Wayne and a videotape, and he gives it to the barman, and I distinctly remember that, and it's because of watching it with them that mm-hmm. my love for Vader's Empet is still pretend on and something that you wish that you know you would have mm-hmm. back well it's funny funny that I brought it up earlier actually believe it or not but um, my mum really used to be into Dallas when <laughs> she was younger so when Dallas got brought back when was that probably about 2012 2013 yeah. something like that yeah because that know, place they had had it for a pound on yeah, Um she obviously wanted to watch it again mm-hmm. so she did and I just thought oh well you enjoy it. you said you enjoyed this so much when you were younger I'll give it an attempt not for me no it didn't it didn't go well not it was it was promptly probably I probably made it about 20 minutes in or so and I was just like this is a thing for you mom I appreciate the attempt but I'll leave this to you so fair well enough. fair enough well that concludes our talk TV talk um, thank you all for joining us um, we have no idea what we're going to do for the next episode yet so we're not going to tell you what we're going to do because we don't even know yet anyway so but that's half the fun of it yes it is half the fun and we're like, oh, what about this oh that's a good idea there's no point at times with this sort of show overly committing because like I kind of teased at the end of the last episode by the time this is aired yeah we could have a major new trailer for Star Wars or we could have a major new trailer for Avengers or any other major random thing could have happened in pop culture that we will want to talk about but also there are still obviously the plans to talk about some anniversaries that are coming up in the not so distant future with movies and other tv shows etc so keep an ear out for those yes so thank you very much for listening i almost said watching there and uh, until the next time (laughs) 